This week on the Totally Biased Media Podcast, we talk Raya and the Last Dragon, come up with pitches for our own new Disney films, I make a phone call to Bob Iger, and more. Let's get into the first episode of TBM. I'm Jackson Walkup, and I still can't decide if I like Less Jedi or not. I'm Jason Simmons, and I am The Last Dodo. I'm Jordan Walkup, and I don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. Folks, it's time to talk Rhea and The Last Dragon. That's not the name of the movie. Disney's... Ba- what? It's not. It's Raya. Yeah, that's... yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Folks, it's time to talk Raya and The Last Dragon. Disney has done it again. You would think after 700 and some movies and like some money that they would put it to rest, but no, they're still at it. They're still going hard. It's just one after another with these guys. And this one, let me tell you, it's a movie. So Raya and the Last Dragon is directed by Don Hall of Big Hero 6 fame and Carlos Lopez Estrada, uh, best known for Blind Spotting and Summertime and also the TV show Legion. It's starring Kelly Marie Tran, who had her big break in Star Wars Episodes 8 and 9, and will be in the upcoming series Monsters at Work. Uh, Features Aquafina, best known from Crazy Rich Asians, The Farewell, and will be in a couple of upcoming Disney properties, including Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, and The Little Mermaid. It also features Jimma Chan, uh, best known for Humans, Crazy Rich Asians, and will be in the upcoming movie Eternals. So Disney's really pulling from uh, from their own pockets for these actors. Um, it is currently available on Disney Plus with premiere access, and it's also in theaters. If you're of the persuasion that uh, a Disney movie is worth the chance of contracting or spreading the coronavirus. And uh, I'll kick it over to Jackson to give you uh, some details on what this movie is. All right. One day, there were these fog monsters called the Droon who turn people into stone when they touch them. And dragons, too. Let's not forget that. The Droon turn humans and dragons into stone. We're good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 All right. So the Droon, they do their evil stuff. Everyone and most of the dragons, they're stone now. Except, uh, what was it? Five five dragons? Is that how many were left? Yeah, a handful. So five dragons, um, using their power, created a stone that would protect the humans from the Droon. The Droon would be, like, vanished. I don't really know where they went. I guess they kind of just disappeared. Um, they went to the bad place. Yeah. And the humans stopped being stone, but the dragons didn't? And uh, what was the name of that one? The one dragon. The real powerful one. Sisu. Sisu? Yeah, yeah, Sisu. So, yeah, she was, like, all-powerful dragon. The humans pretty much, like, saw her as, like, the most powerful dragon to ever live. And, like... Basically a god. Yeah. So, like, 500 years after this, there were five nations that I don't know the names of, and at this point I'm too afraid to ask again. Um, They kind of, like... 
they kind of live in harmony, but they, there's a lot of infighting because one of them, the uh, the tribe that Raya is from, they Heart. are the ones. Yeah, Heart. They're the ones that got that stone. So during like a uh, kind of like a peace treaty organization thing, um, the leader of Heart invites the other tribes to come and like reform the continent into the like like single nation it used to be before the druin attacked and then I one think, of these i think the other ones are fang i know there's fang spine, yeah is it tail tail, tail and talon, talon yeah. so they're parts of dragons the places are named after parts of dragons because they're on a body of water that is shaped like the body of a dragon yeah yeah so all so, of the different nations are named after the portion of the dragon that they're closest to yeah so so raya who's a little kid at this point probably like no 12 13 she starts being friends with the daughter of the leader of fang who uh what, what was her name numari numari yeah numari so they're they're friends and Numari tells Raya that she's real in the dragons. Um, and Raya's like, you know what? Let's go see that stone that I was entrusted to protect. And they go there to look at this stone. And then, oop, bet you didn't see this coming. Numari, uh, she just like betrays her. And, you know, all the other tribes that are there find out because she shoots a flare into the sky. Then they all start fighting over it and it breaks. So the dune come the back. Stone breaks. They start turning people into stone, and Raya's father gets turned into stone, and she gets thrown off a bridge, and then it's probably like, f- what, five years later? I think it said five years. I mean, that basically just leads into our main plot, which is Raya trying to get the remaining shards of the dragon's gem and put them back together so she can save the world. And in doing that, she meets Sisu, the dragon herself, who accompanies her on this journey. Basically, just Raya's on a journey to recover all the shards of this stone. She has the help of Sisu, the dragon, who used the stone 500 years prior. And that's sort of the the gist of how everything starts. Jason, I'll, I'll hand it over to you to sort of talk about the themes of the movie. Yeah, well, I mean, the central theme of the movie, I mean, obviously there's a major theme of girl power. All your main characters are are women they're all strong and you know out there kind of kicking butt and taking names self-sufficient self-sufficient which i've honestly spent something i've thought a lot about you know since hayden's so into uh you know like strong female characters in media hayden's our our youngest brother uh so i, I ever since he started getting into like these strong female characters it's been something i've kind of paid more attention to because i i know that he probably you know he sees them as role models which is something we were pretty much explicitly taught not to do as kids. Yeah, so I, I just think it's really interesting, and it's definitely something I've kept an eye on in movies from ever since you know he's started getting really into it. But the the main theme of the movie, the crux, is unity. Whenever the dragon gem broke up, all of the different tribes, what what used to be one nation of Kumandra, as they called it, split up into you know several different nations, like we mentioned earlier. And these nations are constantly fighting with each other. Uh, after the dragon gem broke and the Druun came back, there's literally this giant threat in the Druun uh, turning people into stone. Yet the people continue fighting, even though putting the gem back together would probably lead to their salvation. It's a lot of emphasis on this idea that if we were more trusting of each other and relied on each other more openly, 
that we would be able to work together to solve a lot of problems that we can't on our own, which I think is a very valid message. And I don't think anyone out there is going to step in and say, well, actually, we're better not trusting people. Yeah. So throughout the whole movie, Raya's going to all the different tribes and she's collecting the shards of the dragon gem along with uh, Sisu, the all-powerful dragon. And you can kind of see what their constant warring with each other, as well as fighting the Druun, has led to, because all of the different villages that she visits are living in squalor for the most part, unless they are completely surrounded by water, which is the one weakness that we know of for the Druun. should also mention, all the dragons are water dragons, so... Yeah, they can still fly, and they kind of resemble dragons as you would traditionally picture them, but all of their powers are very water-centric. So while Raya is out venturing through all of these different, you know, nations and villages, she kind of collects her own team of different people from different nations who are all working together to help her put this dragon gem back together. The main fighting force against them is the the Fang clan, who are basically the best off of all of the nations as well as holders of the largest piece of the dragon gem so naturally when it comes down to it she's put together a team of all people from different nations they're all working together and they end up needing the fang clan to work with them if they're going to be able to actually you know turn the tide against the druun and save themselves what did you guys think jackson we'll, we'll start with you so you know I, I know you guys are probably going to mostly talk about the story and stuff which i i will talk about um I, I it's it's an okay story like I liked it it just didn't feel like anything too special I want to talk about the animation for a second like there's not often in movies especially animated movies that I'm like wow this is some good animation but like specifically the uh the the water animation was extremely good I just want to throw that out there I don't really know what it was about it but they did a good job on that no you're, you're absolutely right I think that the environmental animations of this movie are by far one of its strongest points. There, there were a few parts in it, too, where, like, it straight up did look like a picture from real life. Like, I think there was one part when they were going to, I think, uh, whatever the snowy place was, the top of the trees, that was, like, very photorealistic. Jason, what'd you think? Well, I, I liked the movie. I thought it was pretty good. I honestly, I, I wasn't like super blown away with all the animation. I thought there were some really cool effects in it. Uh, specifically, like when the dragons are flying around and they basically like create handholds from uh, rainwater. I, I thought that effect looked really cool when they used it. Especially there was a scene where Raya puts her hand in it and like kind of switches it around. But I, I thought the the... Best part of the movie was probably... I, I really liked the different characters. I thought they were all pretty unique. One of the movie has a con baby. <laughs> yes, there's a, there's a character in the movie <laughs> that is literally a baby that works with a team of monkeys as basically like a con artist team. <laughs> they, uh, they steal the shards of the dragon gem that Raya has collected so far. And the baby's really cute. <laughs> the monkeys are really cute. And they're like completely... It kind of catches you off guard. I do think that it was a good movie. Like overall, I, you know, I would say... Like I, I liked a lot more than I disliked. I just... I think that there were a couple of specific things that if they were just a little bit different, it would be fantastic. And it just didn't quite hit some marks animation sound design music all phenomenal and um specifically music i think it's some of the best disney's ever put out and that's saying something considering everything we know about disney's past i, I think part of what kind of 
uh, messed with the experience was watching it with everyone because <laughs> uh, we we all watched it together with our family or with with our parents and our younger brother. So I, I found it kind of hard to actually pay attention to <laughs> you know all the intricacies of the animation and the sound design. Yeah, uh, honestly, our our review, uh, much like everything that we talk about on this show going forward, is not to be taken as some professional opinion. We know nothing about the movie process. We don't even really know the best way to watch a movie or consume the media in the first place. So take everything we say with a grain of salt. But I will say, as as much of an amateur as I could possibly be, I really liked it. I think it looked great, sounded great. All of my biggest issues kind of fell to two things. And that was that the plot had a very specific type of pacing that I just couldn't really jive with. I mean, the second act was very rushed. It was. And there was this whole sense of the whole movie is this very generic story of we need to gather these powerful crystals, which we can use to stop an evil force. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that format. It's just, it is very common. Um, and I would, I would know, like, personally, uh, when I was trying to come up with a tabletop game campaign for people that knew nothing about tabletop games and thought, what's the most generic story I could put together? I did exactly this. Um, and there's this sense of basically half the movie is, go into this town, get the gym, leave, go into the next town, get the gym, leave. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it didn't really give each location enough time. And then that sort of leads into my, truly my biggest gripe with the movie was Raya sort of builds this, you know, motley crew of these characters from different backgrounds and with different skills and different beliefs, which is a very cool premise. And she's sort of picking them up as she's traveling across this land. But I don't think any of those characters were really given the time that they needed to really shine. And they all sort of share a common thread in their backstory, which is we had loved ones that were turned to stone, which is, you know, uh, like definitely a strong motivating factor. But none of the characters were really given any sort of time to show their motivations or show their ideals. And it sort of evolved into this thing where literally everyone in her crew, aside from Raya herself, is just there for comic relief. Like they have tragic backstories where they lost loved ones, you know, years before, but they all sort of are only really focused on because they have one particular trait about them that's funny. And that makes sense with you know, the baby and the monkeys, like, that is very much meant to be a joke character, and that's fine. But there's, you know, a young boy who who pilots a ship, and he lost his family, but it's more, like, he, he had to grow up and take care of himself, and he was running this business, but he's still more just using the joke of, like, haha, it's a kid trying to run a business. Isn't that funny? Instead of, like, really getting into why, or why that makes for a good plot point. Like, overall, like, I think it's great. I think most of the things I wanted for it are things that I shouldn't really want of a Disney movie because it's not going to happen. Um, I want it to be a little more serious, uh, give itself a little more time to breathe and let the characters be the characters. But those are things that you just don't get with a ton of Disney movies, and that's fine considering the intended audience for this movie is, you know, such a wide range. Kids you know, two or three years old through adults. So it has to be, has to be applicable and accessible to everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of, it's definitely worth talking about uh, some more of the central theme of the movie 
of trust. Because throughout the movie, Sisu is trying to convince Raya that instead of fighting the Fang when they get to them and trying to steal their shard of the Dragon Gem, Sisu's trying to convince Raya to, you know, talk it out and actually try to just you know, work together with them, which Raya is wholly against because she blames, she blames the Fang tribe for killing her family, basically, or killing her father and destroying her village by freeing the Druun. Yeah, did we ever see a mom? We, we don't see her mom, but that's, it's Disney. I don't, you don't expect it. <laughs> but I think something important is that basically throughout the whole film, Sisu's kind of, uh, they talk to her like she's a fool for thinking that everyone should be working together because from all of their experiences, it's been people, people have been fighting their whole lives. All the characters are either young or just very set in their ways to where they don't see any alternative to violence. And Sisu, who has been sleeping for 500 years since she first made the Dragon Gem or first used it, is trying to convince humanity to work together. And in the end, well, obviously, <laughs> she's right. Humanity does need to work together. You're not going to get anywhere if everyone's fighting, especially when you have something as powerful as the Dragon Gem, where everyone knows that if they all just work together, they'll be able to completely defeat the Druun and save all of their loved ones, but they're all too afraid of either losing their power or going back to the way things used to be before the Dragon Gem broke. Yeah, because like, Fang... Uh, the leader of Fang knew, which, I mean, in the end, she was wrong, but uh, she figured that, you know, if all the people were brought back from stone, that Fang would be, you know, held accountable and jailed, because this is a Disney movie, they're not going to be killed. <laughs> Fang tribe fully believes, at least from my understanding of the movie, that if the Dragon Gem is reassembled by anyone other than them, that they are going to be killed <laughs> for breaking the dragon gem in the first place basically as a scapegoat because at the beginning of the movie you can clearly see fang may be the ones that instigated the fight of the dragon gem but it was all the nations fighting each other that led to it being broken i want to to read a couple of reviews just some short ones that i found online that i think sort of uh, two that i think sort of sum up my feelings about the movie a little more succinctly um the first is a review by Casey Chong from Casey's Movie Mania, who just said, Raya and the Last Dragon could have been a new Disney classic in the making, if not for the movie's lack of originality and decision of playing safe with the formula. And I think that's pretty fair because there's nothing inherently wrong with the movie or nothing that I just absolutely despised or anything, but there's just a lot of things that I think if they would have taken bigger swings, I could have seen turn into something just truly exceptional. And it just doesn't quite get there in a couple of ways. I I honestly, I can't think of any scenes in the movie that honestly surprised me. Any plot twists in the movie were honestly played out at this point. You know, they're plot twists that are just there for the sake of like, gasp, you mean... <laughs> Like, it, it's just, it didn't really feel like the plot twist added anything to the movie. The, the next the next review is one that I, I think is, is pretty good. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with how negative it is, but I just find it uh, very funny. And uh, Kyle Smith of the National Review says, The movie's Trust Your Enemies theme is so insipid, I'm surprised Woodrow Wilson isn't credited <laughs> as one of the writers. <laughs> Although just about everybody else, it took eight people to go for this sludgy story is um i i think that's a bit bold but i i do find that very funny um and i think that the the 
message is a little hamstrung and it's established a little bit too early on. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the lack of surprise is sort of holding the, the movie back. Well, I think I'll, I'll close out this review section by le- by reading. Uh, this is a a fan review that I found on Rotten Tomatoes, and um, I, I just want to point out I don't agree with what I'm about to read. Actually, I am basically on the polar opposite end of this, but I just found it so funny that I had to give it some time. Um, this is just by a random user on Rotten Tomatoes. This is not a critic or anyone that has like an established background in film, but it says I had to give it to an Two stars and a half for the amazing animation, the great music, and the fun moment we had with secondary characters. However, while it was a visually amazing movie, this movie had quite bad taste. I'm starting to get tired and even annoyed by Disney's female main characters that are forcing the new woke tendencies. Raya, for example, was poorly written, almost no character development, and a very annoying character. At least the dragon was funny enough to compensate it. I also had to point out this weird tendency to show only single parents in a kid's movies, and I don't even want to start about the stupid sacrifice made by the father. It really made no sense except creating some useless drama. I just wanted to say, Disney, we know you're woke, but for God's sake, put more effort into writing good stories. I I do like the argument of saying there's no character development when the entire last uh, act of the movie... Is dedicated to one portion of her character development. But let's face it, what's more woke than being nice to each other and putting other people first? <laughs> uh, in my notes for this, I I did write that one of the main themes of the movie was communism. <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, okay. is that good? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back with some pitches for our own new Disney films. Hey, do you like podcasts? Yeah. They're all right. Do you like podcasts where people who know things talk about the things that they know? No. Well, good. Then I have the podcast for you. It's this one. The one you're listening to. See, we're not professionals. We don't know anything. Movies? Don't understand them. Video games? Bad at them. Songs? Don't even know how to listen to them. But, on the Totally Biased Media Podcast, we're going to tell you that up front. Other podcasts? They're going to be like, Well, actually, I have a music degree, so I'm qualified to talk about this song. But here, we're going to be like, Nah, I don't get it. Wow, that sounds exactly like the kind of podcast I'd like to listen to. And you said I'm in an episode right now? Right now. Does that mean my entire life up to this moment was all just build up for this podcast? And we're back, folks. So... I've been thinking a lot about Disney's naming conventions, and Raya and the Last Dragon sort of showed me that they really like to rely on this something and the something name, like, goes all the way back to Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and, you know, we've we've seen that repeated many, many times, James and the Giant Peach, other movies I can't think of the name of right now, even though I know there's a bunch of them, so... (laughs) 
we decided that each of the three of us is going to come up with our own name where we're swapping something else in for the and the, and then the other two are going to have to try and come up with what that movie is and sort of give the pitch for why it works. So Jason, you, you kick us off with what your, your mixed up movie title is. Well, for mine, I went with uh, Jungle to Jungle and the Great Fairy Rescue. A combination of the two hit Disney films, Jungle to Jungle, starring Tim Allen, and Tinkerbell and the Great Fairy Ooh. Rescue. <laughs> see, see, this is a tough one, because my mind immediately goes to, this is just the Lost Boys in a jungle on Neverland, but like before they meet Peter Pan, so they have no idea what's happening right now. Like, they are just lost in a jungle, everything's totally normal, but also there are fairies. Um, and I think, like, that's not much to start with, but when you think about the fact that these are just regular little kids with no skills whatsoever, it gets dark fast. I hear what you're saying. I do think the kids should still be successful commodities traders. Alright, but scratch all that. So, it, it's... Your average Tinkle Tinkerbell movie, um, except Tinkerbell is played by Tim Allen, <laughs> and I'm they in. have to go from jungle to jungle to save Fairyland. Okay, that's that's the whole movie. Can I give Can I get my idea for a yeah, picture for this for one? It. Yeah. All right. So what I was thinking is the movie. It still starts kind of like Jackson's. It is Tim Allen as Tinkerbell. And she does have to travel jungle to jungle, just like Jackson's idea. However, we do keep the original meaning of the movie. And the two jungles are indeed the Amazon jungle (laughs) and New York City. And they do have to save all the fairies in those two jungles. I like it. I'm on board. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have to redo part of mine because my original one also did include and the Great Fairy Rescue. <laughs> so Jackson... I was tempted to do that for mine. You, Jackson, you take a swing at it, or you give yours, and then I'll, I'll come up with another one while we're, while we're planning this out. I've got uh, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, and The Beast. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, and Beauty and the Beast. And I want to see what you can do with that. Alright, I'll go, I'll go first for this one. So, we open up in Tokyo, Japan. Just like in uh, Fast and the Furious 3 Tokyo Drift. They're all racing in these, you know, like, souped-up Japanese import cars. Except for Beast. Who is driving a Hummer <laughs> H3. Yeah. yeah, I'm on board. That. That seems like something and he would drive. The whole movie is just them trying to defeat the Hummer H3 in a drift race. Which seems really right. impractical, so since an all-wheel drive and drifting isn't much of a thing, but Beast is just, I mean, you have not seen anything like him behind the wheel. Yeah, and he does look exactly the same as he did in Beauty and the Beast. So is this... So this is a this is a direct sequel right. so it, to Fast and the Furious 3 Tokyo. And a direct sequel to Beauty and the Beast. Well, it's a prequel to Beauty and the Beast. Ah, yeah, that makes the most sense. Alright. So is this gonna be like um like like the Tom and Jerry movie where like Tom and Jerry are animated but everything else is in the real world? So like the beast is animated <laughs> but in the real world, or is it going to be it's the, the reverse. beast from the live action? <laughs> it's what? 
<laughs> Everything is animated except for the beast. And see, and I'm picturing, I'm picturing beast n- neither in the animated form or like the newer remake form. I'm picturing like eldritch abomination style beast, like like hard to look at, like disgusting monster of fur and fangs. We do still, we do have to expressly state that he is Beast from Beauty and the Beast, though. That never needs to be forgotten. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could have the setting be, like, the town from Beauty and the Beast, and you have Beast Castle, and they're just, like, straight up driving through it and stuff. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I think we have made one that applies to no one, too, so, like, you know, we're at both ends of the spectrum here. Um, So so let me give you mine. I'm going to keep it simple for y'all. Ant-Man and the Frog. So this is a mix of Ant-Man and the Wasp and the Princess and the Frog. Um, I'll give you the inverse, too. If you wanted to do the Princess and the Wasp, I'm on board as well. I don't like Princess and the Wasp. I could see that being an actual story. (laughs) (laughs) Makes my toes curl. Gross. (laughs) Anyways, Ant-Man and the Frog... I, I got something. So it's like that. Uh, not He doesn't turn into an ant, but you know the part in Pinocchio where they're inside Monstro? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like that. The whole movie is about oh. Ant-Man trying to escape from inside of this frog that ate him. Ooh. Naturally, okay. his, his size changing doesn't work because that's always got to break. Um, I do picture the climax of the movie being he suddenly realizes that his size changing does work again and he turns huge again and it's just horrifying. Like the thing he does to that frog is just not should not be on should not be on on a movie theater screen. Look, we, we all have been waiting for it ever since we saw Avengers Endgame. Oh, the Thanos uh prophecy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ant-Man's one of, Ant, really, Ant, one of Ant-Man's greatest powers is his ability to climb into any orifice. <laughs> <sighs> okay, well, I mean, I, I think, like, you know, any of these three could really knock it out of the park. Uh, Disney, we are available if you need us. I, I actually do have a direct line to Bob Iger. You want me to call him up right now? <laughs> go, go, go for it, yeah. Hey, Bob, uh, so... I've got a couple of uh, movie ideas for you. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. You're already making them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can I at least get, like, a producer's credit on these? (laughs) I mean, I think it's fair that I get some kind of credit, even if I just came up with the idea second. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I don't work for Disney. (laughs) Yeah. You don't know how I got this number. All right, Bob, I'll I'll think on that and call you back next week. Uh, well, ladies and gents, it looks like this might be the beginning and the end of our employee with the Disney Corporation. So uh, how about we, we turn it over to, uh, you know, talk about what else we've been into. Um, Jackson, what, what have you got? So I just I just want to start off by uh, most of last week. Um, I you know I was I was out because of wisdom teeth, so I wasn't really doing much other than sitting around watching Star Wars. But I did I got to play a little bit of uh, Persona Five uh, Dancing in Starlight the other day. <laughs> yeah. 
And I have to say, it is, it is a music game, yeah. It's got some songs in it. Um, How would you yeah. describe it? What's your rating for it? Um, uh, I'd, I'd say um, three out of five Jokers. Wow, I set you up for that one, bud. <laughs> you have the you're you're bad at using catchphrases. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I this was a game that uh, so all three of us have been playing Persona Five. And uh, we're at varying points in the story. And by that, I mean two of us are basically finished and Jackson is like four minutes in. I'm five hours um, in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this was a game that, like, you know, I kind of had on my radar because, you know, it's directly related to the story and I really love the plot of Persona 5. Um, but it was, I wasn't really planning on picking it up. Um, but I, I did get to play a couple songs yesterday on jason's ps5 and like i'll I'll say like it's a lot more fun than i anticipated like it feels very natural the music's good there's some weird design choices that i didn't love but like overall like it it actually seemed like a pretty good rhythm game jason what have you been into i've also been really into persona 5 but just the normal one (laughs) yeah and i i beat the main part of the story the other day and the ending was pretty cool i don't know it didn't really hit me that hard i was just like wow all right (laughs) um i loved the game i felt like i think about like 99 hours um because i'm playing royal so there's some additional content after you finish the main story i'm working on that now (laughs) but i I do have to say like as much as i loved everything leading up to the end of persona 5 the ending is just a little lackluster (laughs) yeah i'm i'm right there myself i i'm almost positive i am still staring the final boss in the face as i have been for almost a week now um but because i've just had had some other stuff going on haven't really been home much to play the playstation so i've been pretty reliant on my switch for the last week so there is a video game podcast called the besties and they do weekly reviews of new release games and then just talk about their personal favorite games and things like that um the past couple weeks they've been doing a tournament style uh bracket for determining the best uh, best zelda game and in listening to it it really reminded me like how much i love the zelda series and that there's a lot of games i haven't revisited in any kind of timely manner um so decided to dive into legend of zelda and uh legends of the Link to the Past, which is pretty much the only mainline Zelda game I haven't played before. Got started on it late last night, thinking like, you know, I'll run through the first dungeon or whatever. Um, it'll be good. And then I played like three hours straight of it and played another two or three hours this morning. Let me tell you, when they say this is one of the best Zelda games ever made, they are not kidding. It is absolutely fantastic. It is incredible world design. Um, everything looks and sounds fantastic. Um... It is sort of the epitome of what 2D Zelda games could be. Um, And even better, it's included with the Super Nintendo emulator that's part of the Nintendo Switch Online. So if you have a Switch and you have online, you can play it for free anytime. So yeah, been been really digging that, even though I'm only several hours in. But really, really like that. Planning on sticking with that for a while. Well, I think that just about does it for our... First official episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. Um, if you like what you heard, then uh, you know be sure to 
like and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And, you know, you can follow us on social media. Um, we are on Instagram and Twitter at... Oh, man, I should know our Twitter username. <laughs> Bear with me, everyone. I'm finding it. I will get there. At TBMCast. Yes, it is at TBMCast on Twitter and on Instagram. It is just at Totally Biased Media. I really should have known that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so you can check us out on social media. Um, if you know if there are any upcoming games or shows or movies um, or even albums, things like that, that you want to send in a review, uh, you can email us at totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, we, we may read it on a future episode. Um, or even if you have suggestions on things we should review or do an episode on, feel free to reach out to us on uh, Twitter or Instagram or send us an email. So we, we hope you've enjoyed the first episode. Uh, I am Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. I'm Jackson Walkup. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. It's all right.